Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. Happy New Year to you all. Let's hope that 2021 is magically delicious and that we can all get back to some normalcy sometime soon. This week, to start off the new year, we have one of my great friends, Jerry Stevenson from Redneck Scientific. Jerry is one of the more interesting people that you'll find on the barbecue trail. He has a boatload of experience both inside and outside of barbecue which has led him to many awards and also a successful restaurant called the Redneck Barbecue Lab in North Carolina. There are a lot of great tidbits, tips, and thought processes in this conversation. A great way to start the new year as we get moving in 2021. So please join me in welcoming the chief redneck in charge, Jerry Stevenson, to the podcast. Well, we're here today with Jerry Stevenson from Redneck Scientific. Head redneck in charge. How you doing, bud? Doing good. Doing good, Lukey. Been working hard. <laughs> yeah, working harder than man should work. Everybody just thinks it's just easy making dollars. You know, barbecue is so simple. You know, so simple to cook and contest. So simple to do catering. So simple to do bending. So simple to run a restaurant. You know, it's just it's, you it's work, <laughs> work a few hours a day, and that's it. Yeah, man. I always say it's uh. You know, it's a rock and roll lifestyle minus the sex and the drugs. <laughs> minus the sex and the drugs. That actually mm. might be the title of this podcast. <laughs> well, while I got you here, I was like, what is the rating on this podcast? Rated for L or rated Jerry? Or just kind of in between? Uh, rated Jerry. It's okay. fine. Yeah, no one wants full Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I've been, been drinking a little myself because I've been looking so much forward to this podcast. You know, it's we try and do something a little different here and dive into some different questions. And I love interviewing people that I know really well. I usually start these with a story, and I was like, I don't know which Jerry story to tell. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know either. That's the bad thing is, is I like to black out from a lot of them. You know, some things you just want to forget. Right. I ran the boat right this weekend, you know, and uh, all of us just sitting there, I was like, God, I remember I was just hammering that guy about play Beastie Boys so Luke would dance more. You know? <laughs> Luke won't dance less Beastie Boys. Play Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys. Play Beastie Boys. That was, yeah. that was one of my favorites because you were like, like, play it. Come on, man. Play it. <laughs> Eighth time in a row. And dude was awesome. I mean, he was great. You know, I saw I called him in DC with Tim Kenny up in DC on the uh barbecue battle DC experience, shake and bake barbecue battle experience. Yeah. I usually just went over there and I was like, dude, I walked right past Tim and walked up to him. I was like, man, I apologize for doing that. And he goes, dude, you were hilarious. It was, it was just funny. Well, you knew I was in my groove. You can't throw the emperor off his groove. No, hell no. You and Joe Pierce, man, that, I, you know, that was a YouTube moment. But YouTube didn't need to capture it because they would just ruin it. You know what I mean? Billions of views. You guys would be celebrities. You'd be on like freaking Oprah or something. You and Joe on The View talking about barbecue fashion and shit like that, you know? And the dance 
itself would be epic. It'd be better than that uh, Denise, that Paul guy that had that fight, beat up the NBA player. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, come on, dude. Not seeing NBA players a week. I know there's a bunch of those guys can bring it, but pick on a hockey player. Go pick one of those little guys out. You know, those little itty-bitty guys. You think that, yeah, you know, and you get the ass waxed on the canvas a couple times. <laughs> right. You never want to pick on the I always, you know, when I worked in the bars as a bouncer, it was like, I didn't care about the guy that was as big as me or I could take care of that. It was that little guy that he had something. <laughs> he's got something on you. You know what I mean? He's yeah, looking. Always, my dad always told me, it's like, you're in a fight. Just get the biggest guy as hard as you can in front of everybody. He goes, you know what you <laughs> Everybody else will respect you because you're knocking the hell out or you're going to get your ass beat. Either way. Right. You know? And, uh, that's true, but the fact about the quiet guy, those quiet guys are the ones you got to look out for. The ones on their mouth like little yipping dogs, those are the guys you just love to punish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now I'll just flash back to college bouncing and running the bars too, man. Thanks for that one. <laughs> well, let's get into background a little bit in terms of not necessarily your background in cooking, but how have, has your life experiences and the work that you've done, which is, you know, you have one of the more interesting histories, I think, of people out there. How has that prepared you to be a competition barbecue cook? Oh, man, that's a good question. My background, like, nobody knows this. Well, my mom does, a few other select people. But my background is like um, a guy who's slightly smart, went to college, got three degrees, like a dissertation and like a residence away from being called Dr. Stevenson. And uh, just one day I flipped the script, decided, yeah, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go build restaurants with my father. You know, that's, my father did that all over the world. So Mike went and did that, swore I'd never run a restaurant, you know. <laughs> you know, one of the things was I'd always cook. We grew up cooking. That was one of the big things that brought people together. I always say, you know, you, you, you go to a wedding, they cooked a pig, you know, in Eastern North Carolina. You went to a funeral, they cooked a pig. And it was always something I just thought was cool. I enjoyed doing it, enjoyed learning. I was that little kid. They just, I annoy the hell out of somebody. And they'd say, go in and burn some wood. You know, go put some of that stuff underneath there. Do this, don't do that. So, you know, I took what I learned from that and the restaurant stuff, and I was like, let's have some fun. So we started building drum smokers. Somebody goes, hey, you ought to compete. And I'm like, sure, why not? And we went out on those drum smokers. We competed on those cans, those early cans. And I think we won three or four times on homemade smokers, which I always thought was really cool. And then I found out, you know, hey, I like competing. I've always liked competing all my life. It didn't really matter what it was. You know, I was like building something, competing, socialization. Barbecues just taking me to places that I probably would have never been if I hadn't, you know, just kind of had that basis of me growing up, that going to school, college, starving, putting myself through college, helping out cooking pigs and and later on in the restaurant business, cooking and watching how businesses ran while building stuff. And later on, you know, competing like I always like to do. And I think the turning point was is when, you know, I brought in Roxanne. And as everybody knows, it's Redneck Scientific's really Roxanne. It's not, not a whole lot to do with me. 
<laughs> you know, that really made it fun. You know, my sister is like probably, we could, we could just crush you and about eight other people. My sister's probably my best friend, you know, because um, she's the one that gets me. She's the one that can tolerate me. Uh, I mean, that's the big thing. You know, I always say, you know, where I'm at Jerry-wise, it's like, that's a half Jerry. And, you know, I can just be, I'm going to put it nicely. I'm just a dick sometimes because what flies out of my mouth is the gospel. But it's like, could you have said that a better way? And I think Roxanne, you know, and competing and stuff, this transition where it just took what I did and all my friends, the rawness, Roxanne's kind of mellowed me out and cooking and stuff. And, you know, I guess that's kind of got us where we are today. Now we've gone, you know, from competition to catering to food trucks to restaurants to free ring circus, kind of everything going on. Right right. Now. You never want to go full Jerry. <laughs> no, you don't. I'm just an asshole. And I, I, I think know, you're a little too hard on yourself. No, it's not like I just sit there and hammer you because, you know, your kids are ugly. I don't do that, but I'm just like, I will just flat out hurt your feelings. I've done it to you before. And I, <laughs> jackass later, but it's like, God, you know where I stand. You know, I just, either you like it or you don't like it. But. <laughs> well, one of the fun things that we're going to do with this is that uh, Kim and Leanne are going to do some episodes where they interview teammates and dive into the teammates' perspective on the Pitmasters. That ought to be fun. Roxanne's yeah, Roxanne near the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, I can see what this is doing, man. <laughs> they think you're an asshole now wait till that <laughs> Roxanne's going to be really interesting you'll, you'll, you'll the, the definite hits whereas I'm like what I'm like me and Brad are in the, just kill his life yeah. we're talking about. I'm like hey I'm into teens man I was like where are you at and he goes I don't know I think he's holding out <laughs> he probably I think, he, I think Brad will hold out. I think he is. Just give you a heads up. Because I told him I was just going to play with you. But it was like a special holiday episode. Of course, I'll get I'll get bumped for somebody else. But it's okay. Well, never, eh, not yet. <laughs> so uh, I know you to be a pretty uh, superstitious and ritualistic person. That's a bunch of shit. Yeah, so what are some of the the habits and rituals and superstitions that you have during barbecue competitions? Oh god, I'm so ACD. I mean, it's like that's 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 my thing is I think that's why my sister makes the perfect partner because she just shakes her head and she gets it. I mean, I'm not not I'm not superstitious. Everybody thinks I'm superstitious. It all started with the Superman shirt and I, I still do the Superman shirt just to piss people off because I know it pisses people off. But the Superman shirt kind of started out as, as I was wearing it one day. We won a grand champion. I wore it again. We won a grand champion. It's like, well, there's something to it. But was is I would always not put that shirt on until I started cooking. So when I light my fire, you know, I go ahead and throw the shirt on. And uh, that basically means you see the shirts means I'm business time. And at contests, a lot of times people think that I am kind of snuck up, stuck up, and don't really want to talk to people. And it's really kind of that, it's not a superstition, but once I put that shirt on, it's like from 8.30 on Friday night to 1.30, you know me, I mean, how I come, you're like one of my best peeps out there. Let me talk to you once or twice that, that morning. 
It's just, I'm out there for business. I mean, that's my, I'm out there for competition. I enjoy the social aspect of it, but when it comes down to it, I treat barbecue like business, just like everything else. It's just, I'm out there to win. And I think a lot of times with the superstition stuff, it's just because I'm so repetitive. I've got some OCD. I've probably got some OCD in me. Which, which of my psychiatrists you want to talk to? But like, um, you know, I do the same thing over and over again, and I do it for a reason. Is, is I minimize the variables that can affect what I'm doing, and when something is off, I can go back and look at those variables as long as I do them again and again and again to figure out what I did wrong. So most of the time, like when we get that, you know, three first play or three three top ten calls. And you're like, sweet, I stuck it in the you know, top five, top three, and hell, maybe I won today. And all of a sudden, they call you for nine. That way, when you go and get your score sheet, you can kind of go back to those variables and figure out, well, this is what happened. I know what happened. And nine times out of ten, I know, just like I know when I bite my piece of chicken, I know if I won or lost the contest. It's like a win the contest. Uh, doing these, you want to call them superstitions and variables or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know what I did wrong. And I can just allows me to move on to the next episode and remind myself not to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you know me, lighting the smokers, gotta be a certain way, certain you know, this stuff's gotta be in a certain, you know, like don't come in there and put something in my my cook table, don't don't come in my trailer, don't hang out, don't talk to me. <laughs> I like to violate as many of those as I possibly can. <laughs> People like to do that, they like to push me. The worst thing you can do to contest is well, two things. It's one, get me drinking because it's like, oh, it's going to throw him off. Oh, it calms me down, you know. And and the second thing you don't want to do is don't piss me off. It's game over, man. It's uh, two, there, there's like three variables that is always accounted for really successful cooks, and, and and my winning percentage goes up. My kids are there. Number one, number two, if my mom's there. My winning percentage goes way up. You've been there several times, and when she's there, it's like, oh, uh, shit. Um, <laughs> you used to always ask that, man, your kid's coming, your mom coming. It's like, those, those variables help me out. And then the third variable, people that know, it's pissed me off. As much as I love cooking, it's the best in the world. I Not to overlook some of the local contests that we do, but where I get really amped up is when I go and I see I see the good cooks there. I see you're on the back of my trailer. You know, me and I lock in my balls with you. And you do the same thing. You know, and the worst thing you could do is if I'm in that situation, I got my kids, I got my mom, it's piss me off. Please piss me off. <laughs> game over. And it really is game over when you piss my sister off. Piss <laughs> Roxanne off. It's, and you know, Roxanne, I'm probably, you know, this is where she's probably going to throw it back in my face, but Roxanne's probably got a worse temper than me. I'm not saying anything, but. What <laughs> yeah. man. I know that your life in round competitions has changed a lot since the restaurants opened and everything, but your week before a competition, does, is your organization still the same as it used to be and doing the same things over and over? No, and it's evident, man. I, you know, somebody asked me this weekend, are you going to compete this year? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try, you know, and that's the past like two or three years I've been trying. I've not been in my groove. And my groove used to start like on Tuesday nights. I had a specific pattern, and this is where the superstition, the OCD stuff came in. It started on Tuesday nights, and I set myself up so 
when I got to a competition, I was ready to go. It didn't matter if I got to a competition, 11 a.m. in the morning or 6 o'clock at night, I was ready to go. And now I find myself showing up to contests without rubs and sauces and, and bags of charcoal. I've had to party charcoal and stuff. And I'm, I'm not as organized because I'm not as focused. And I, I realized that. And that's been one of my things that last year or this year, last year, whatever you want to call it, 20, 2020, mm-hmm. year did, I found myself being able to focus a little bit. You know, all of a sudden, you know, we just had that limited amount of contest. But I've, I mean, I was looking at Roxanne. And every week I was changing variables and I was trying to change the variables to try to, uh, you know, get to Kansas. My thing was to get to Kansas this year and make a great showing out there at Kansas. And uh, we, we, we were changing variables every week, you know, and I'm tracking when I mean tracking, I'm, I'm tracking, you know, I weigh out everything, you know, I weigh out my rubs and spices and stuff, what changes I make. And I document it, I write it down, I log it. And, you know, for like, six contests we were just changing stuff and i'd look at somebody and they'd be like well how'd you do today and i'd be like i still remember how i cook meat and i still know my tenderness but i was like we either finished first or six you know i said because i was trying different things and uh mostly it was sixes this year you know we were here at the sixth place god knows it's like you with your run of uh rgc's <laughs> you know that's that's how it was first or six it was way more sixes at first but uh, I found myself kind of getting back into that groove. And the other thing I found myself getting back into, me and Roxanne, she was doing a lot less talking and a lot more smiling. So I was like, wow, we're starting to hit a groove here. So I felt good about this year, even though it was a short uh, year. I feel bad. Uh, we walked, went all the way out to Kansas and I pulled a jack. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's one of those things is it's that woke up, I like my smoker, and everybody thinks I put my meat on early I don't but I like my smoker get it all hot and I woke up and um, went out in my trailer I got out there early just to kind of go over things make sure I was in the right place and I walk out my trailer and the smoker's at like 500 degrees and you know the backwoods it's at 500 degrees god I just opened the door 30 something degrees outside and I'm like this son of a bitch ain't gonna cool down for two hours mm-hmm. you know it didn't cool down to put my chicken on and I turned in chicken and uh, chicken, chicken was good, but I was just like somewhat disappointed. But I went back over those variables after the cook and after we got our results. And I was like, even if I'd fallen asleep right there next to that smoker, it still would have done the same thing, you know? And I changed it. Um, a lot of people that don't cook at 450 since year, and um, <laughs> they're not used to cooking at 500 degrees, you just ruin your stuff. And, it's, it's happened to me twice now the uh second year at the jack and then at this contest major contest so it's got me kind of rethinking like right now some of the stuff i want to do for next year and how i do it um yeah my thought, thought process man like i said we're always kind of adapting and stuff and i felt this year like i said i felt, I felt a little spark the past three years of competing have been tough that first year of competing hell, i don't even remember half of what i did uh, when we opened up the restaurant, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even remember half of what we did. And I think the results have shown the past few years. But. Right on. Well, that's a good segue into our next question, which is about, you know, we talk a lot about successes when we talk about barbecue. Everyone wants to talk about this, talk about that. You know, uh, you've had a lot of great success out of the American Royal. I've got to be there and cheer you on for a lot of that. 
but one of the things that I like to focus on is failures and how we have barbecues a constant learning experience and we always have failures that stick out in our mind that we learn something from that we can apply toward future cooks. Do you have a favorite failure of yours that helped you be successful later on? Oh, Jesus. Where do you want to start, man? Um, time I got freaking hammered and uh, was injecting, you know what I love to drink during the summertime, sweet tea vodka. Yep. I mean, you can off a fifth of sweet tea vodka in an hour because that stuff's just the devil's juice. But as long as they're the hardies in the morning, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I remember one of the times I, and it's probably you who did it, you know, we got into it and I'm sitting there and I'm injecting port, I'm music's blasting, I'm having a great old time and I'm just sitting there and, you know, I was kind of calming down off my buzz and I was like, wait a minute, I need to keep this going, you know, keep, keep, keep the flow going. And I reached over there and just took like three big old gulps of my drink and I was like gagging. I mean, I was puking, shit was coming out of my nose. I had just consumed like half of my freaking pork injection and i look at my pork and i'm just like oh shit i just lifted my pork you know and i learned that sweet tea vodka sweet tea and pork do not mix <laughs> no good pork do not mix whatsoever where was that at what contest do you remember uh luke i don't it was hot during the summer because i was drinking sweet tea vodka not brown water I think and, I was there for that, but I, I think I might have been responsible. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, you partially responsible. This sweet tea vodka, usually most of those stories started out with you. <laughs> Probably another one of my failures was, it kind of goes back to that first year we opened up the restaurant, or second year, I went to um, uh, Urbana. Barbecue gets back. I pull in at like 8 o'clock at night. And of course, you and Billy G, Billy Gillespie, and Oh, God. Uh, Jay Reader was there. Mark Green. I mean, it was just everything came together and we're all parked back up one another. I mean, you know, that was like the perfect freaking storm of shit that could go wrong. And at eight o'clock at night, y'all are helping me prep my food and everything else. And I'm just like, yeah, man, we had a great old time. You met me with some gentleman Jack. And, uh, no, Billy did. And we were just having a great time. And, I mean, we were up. It was 11, 30, 12 o'clock. Nothing real late or anything. But I remember just going to bed. I was just, man, I felt so good. I had worked so hard for so many months and got to that contest. And I um, remember just doing my normal thing. I woke up. And it was like quarter to six. And I'm like, oh, let me go check, see how my meat's doing. Because, you know, I put my meat on earlier. And I go walking outside, open up my smoker. And I look. I'm like, oh, shit. I never put my meat on. You know? So we cooked hot and fast that day at Urbana. We got our butts handed to us. And, you know, it was a complete failure. You drive eight, nine-hour round trip, and you know, for a contest, and that happens. But you just kind of roll with it. You know, I don't sit there and just go, "It's the liquor's fault or Newton's fault." Or I blame Jay for that one. I wouldn't take the bullet on that one. Oh, that, that was that was. There were so many bad stories from that. Um, Jay Reader is one of the ones. If you ever do it, I'm Jay. I want to be a part of it. I'd like to ask him questions to be a part of the panel on that one. I can't get him to commit. Jay Reader, commit. I did it for Luke. Do it for us. Do it. Do it, please, Jay. I want to um, have him and Mark Breen on at the same time. 
Oh, Mark, that'd be another great one too. Nobody would understand a word. <laughs> I, I, I I saw your unicorn. And, uh, your unicorn, uh, really. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got I got an invitation to uh, a competition that uh, I, I don't really know if I need to speak too much about it, but Mark and Billy are going to cook together, and they're like, "You need to come down and cook steaks." And I was like, "No, I just need to come down and watch YouTube." <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my! I, God. I told him I said that would just be the best, and Mark just I was like that that would be a whole lot better than just cooking and everything. Oh my gosh, that'd be must see television. Hmm. I can't even imagine how amazing that is. Uh, <laughs> let's switch gears. We've all had them. The thing I tell people yeah. about is, is that, you know, failures, you, you can either live with them or walk past them. You mentioned the Royal. We've had a great run at the Royal over the years. And I think part of that's attributed to the fact that I would kind of, I, I kind of got a feel, a pulse on what was going on out there and like, how to not offend judges versus how to make them happy because it's impossible to make judges happy. You just try to, it's not offensive, man. I mean, I think Tuffy said that's not offensive. That's what you want to kind of go for. Now mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff, but I look back and like one year I, I lost by an appearance point, you know, my sister, my sister doesn't, you know, play that stuff's like, I mean, it's, it, you can photograph it on a magazine. And we lost by appearance point. I think it was the blamer we lost to. And you know, you just kind of like realize it, and you're like, well, that can just be the end of it, or that's just a motivation point. And I haven't forgot it. You know? But to know that, you know, I almost punched that hole in the ceiling that day out there, and know I could do it again. I just kind of used my failure that day for motivation for future stuff. So yeah, yeah. Let's switch gears, switch, switch gears a little bit. And I think I've lost three American Royals by like less than three points total. <laughs> Thank you, Judge Six, who said it was a seven instead of an eight. It really doesn't matter because I'm the kickout scorer. Yeah, let me kick you in the balls. <laughs> I felt bad. Yeah, out. but you did win. You guys did win the American Royal Side Dishes contest. That right? was one of the best times that you and I, the Gov, the Gov meaning my brother-in-law, Sean Manley, and my sister have had ever. That was, we, it was horrible. We just, you know, the whole, and I'm talking about when we, the first year after the Royal left the bottoms, you know, it left Utopia and they brought us out there to, you know, freaking Arrowhead Stadium. And, you, you know, right away we knew we were in trouble with a bunch of stuff out there. Um, and and uh, yeah, that was one of the probably the better moments for me. That watching Roxanne um, one eighty our first year at the Jack. I didn't have a good cook. I was just off. I, I knew I didn't win. I was just like, you know, dear God in heaven, just give us a call and a side. You know, one of those ancillaries. And damn, if Roxanne didn't, you know just knock it out of the park or win at the Royal, you know, I think it was in the circuit first year. Yeah. Let's go rushing up there and Roxanne's up there. And you know me, it's like, somebody's like, Jerry, get up there on stage. I'm like, do that. I was like, <laughs> picture. But that, Roxanne, man, she's had a lot of success in doing what she does. Absolutely. If Roxanne just did the same thing over and over, she would be unbeatable. She would be unbeatable. She's like, me. we're, 
we're constantly changing our stuff and trying to do something new. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit into gear and expenses. Competition barbecue isn't cheap. It is what you make of it, but once you taste a little bit of success, it becomes more and more expensive. What's one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made in competition barbecue? For those of you that can't see us, he just held up a bottle of Gentleman Jack. <laughs> snake bite medicine. Snake bit me on the way in here this afternoon. Snake, snake being work. Yeah, investment-wise, I mean, there's several things I think that people need to understand about competition barbecue. One, and this is about three-quarter jury. One, you're never going to be successful. Never going to be successful to the extent that you want to be. So you have to realize that you're only going to be half good. I'm sorry. The best in the world gets beat. I watched the best in the world, people that I know are some of the best cooks I've ever seen in my life that are meticulous and don't make mistakes. I'm, I'm thinking about Tuffy right now. And I've seen just him get annihilated. And I've seen him just annihilate the field. So that's, that's one of the things I just try to tell people. I mean, you're better off having a drug habit or trying to, you know, play par in golf than you are in competition barbecue. So with that caveat, you know, now that I've really got you motivated, wanting to get out there and cook in these, these events is, is that, um, I think the biggest thing that you, you can invest in is basically, um, we'll, we'll start out with, with prepping first, like kind of how to prep for, for contests and stuff. The best thing that you can do is, is that it's not always the best um, materials that win. You know, you don't have to have some imported chicken, free-range stuff or anything like that. I believe you, you have to have a Wagyu brisket. All you guys out there beating your chest, telling me you're going to beat me with a Walmart brisket. I got money in my pocket, says you ain't, folks. And I'll take you to the bank all day. <laughs> but, you know, you, you need to invest in some equipment. It's not cheap. You're going to have probably a four or $5,000 investment right from the get-go, you know, in equipment, decent equipment. Decent meaning you get on the drum parade right now. You know, get on the drums and cook on the drums. Uh, if you go out and buy, like with me, I'm a backwoods guy. I, I, I bought a backwoods pro junior. You start doing that, then you get into the, all the other stuff, the variables. I believe that it, it, you could cook out of a tent. I've won grand championships out of a tent, but I won a lot more out of a trailer. And um, I custom built my trailer, and we cooked in a hurricane and won a grand championship in that trailer. And I truly believe we won the grand championship because I built that trailer never opened the doors, I mean, never opened the doors and, and cooked inside of one. So, you know, I think you have to have, like, some good equipment, but you don't have to go out and buy a Class A motorhome. You don't have to go out and buy, you know, the unicorn of smokers being a Jambo right now, you know, J5, awesome smokers. Um, you don't have to to win and compete, but you have to, before you start investing, you need to realize like what I said before, the caveat is you're never going to be any more successful than you really think you are. You're probably going to be halfway successful. Um, this is a really competitive sport. Um, we're judged like gymnasts, although KCBS has the shittiest scoring system on record. Um, ever known to man. Can I just go ahead and publicly say that again? 
KCBS has the shittiest scoring system ever known to man. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, that's part of, part of the thing is, is that, like I said, I lost a Royal to someone who just thought my food didn't look that good, you know, that have point. You have to realize some of that before you go. Now, when we're talking about you get all this equipment, you get everything, and then what do you do? Well, what I'm going to tell you is what you do is go out and take a class. There are some classes out there with some knowledgeable folks that will answer your questions. They're going to basically take you, imagine them as we're a herd of sheep, and when you go to a class, you're a herd of sheep, and it's not that they're wolves, but they're sheep dogs. They're kind of pushing us in the right direction. Are they going to give you that straight direction, that, that, that path you know, of least resistance to right walking up and walking past them up on the stage? Possibly. Probably not, but possibly. They'll give you a foundation. So, you know, go out and invest in a class. Don't go out and do multiple classes. Do your research, you know, guys. Do your research, you know, ladies. Do your research, you know. Talk to some people, man. They'll, they'll, they'll lay it down, like, what you should do, who you should talk to, and stuff like that. Invest in a class. Spend some time. And then finally... Start working with the equipment you got, the knowledge that you kind of gathered, and start working on something and, and come down to your timelines and, and stuff like that. Work on some timelines and stuff like that. And then, you know, the best thing that you could do is go to these contests with the expectation that, well, probably not going to win, but I need to get something from this. Here you go. This is the thing I want to tell people. There's two things at contests that, that are free. One is sleep. That's the biggest variable between who wins and who loses. The person who sleeps the most wins the most. That's free beyond Jerry Stevenson right there. <laughs> dude is not pounding out the liquor all night long. Dude is not up socializing all night long. The dude is not up all night long or lady. Sorry, I say do a lot. That's that person that consistently wins or you consistently hear their names and they walk on the stage. That's, that's what you got to do. So that sleep is free. The second thing is, is advice. Find people that will give you advice. And I don't mean advice in like, well, what sauce are you using? There's mm -hmm. some pecker knots out there. That's all they do is they want to know what everybody's doing. What's, what's this and what's that? And not only are they like the scum of the earth, it's to me, it's just like, well, you guys, you know, if you get caught in this, it's like, well, this guy's doing this all the time, stuff like that. You can kind of, you know, lose, lose focus on what you're doing. You know, right. and just tell people avoid avoid that, but go ask people with your food. You know, cook cook a piece of brisket and afterwards go up to somebody and say, Hey, will you try this and tell me what you think? Um, that's the advice that's free. I, I do it all the time to people. Now I'm not like bring me a piece of chicken at 12 o'clock. Don't don't do that. Just keep it hot. You know, me and you, me and you've done it. We don't trade a lot, but we do. So here, try this. What do you think? And, you know, me and you're honest. It's like, you know, especially like when I bite your brisket, you know, Kurtuck, I'm like, ah, Luke just beat me, you know? And you just, you know, how was it? You just don't go, it was good. You're know, like, dude, this is on point. And, and today you're not going to get rocked, you know? I don't think you did beat me in brisket. It was, it, was, it was where it should be. You know, you didn't screw up that day. You did good. Mm -hmm. You know, Kim, Kimmy dropped it, you know, going to the uh, judges tent. But, <laughs> That's the stuff. I mean, I tell people there, there's a monetary thing that you need to get into in the barbecue is you need to have some decent equipment. It's hard to do like I did, build a smoker yourself and go win. It really is. I cut my learning curve out. I spent $3,000 on um, 
smoke rock called Baby Girl that a bunch of dickheads kind of laugh at. The Baby Girl is named after my daughters. And then Kiss My Ass up and down the highway and back. But, um, it, you know, I spent $3,000 on her and the dividends that Baby Girl, I don't know how many GCs we won on. I you know, over six figures in prize money we won on it. And then it started a whole barbecue restaurant. You know? yep. So there is a success story here. So I'm trying to give you the good, you know, I'm trying to give sure. you the bad about competition barbecue in terms of investment. Um, that, 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 like I said, it's, it's a tough thing. And I think the other thing too, is everybody thinks it's money. I mean, there is a lot of money, but there's a lot of time. There's a lot of time. You and I know that. A lot of time. We talked about the expensive stuff. What's a purchase of a hundred dollars or less that has most positively impacted your barbecue life? Can't say Thermopen either. Yeah, I know. You, that was like the sucker question. <laughs> um, you always like. I'm looking for something that like anybody can take from from us as professionals. You know, professionals as. But they can take and be like, wow, that really did help out my cook, you know, and it's just something, something small, you know. Yeah, well, the thermal pen is, is, is really the, the brilliant one because I just need a thermal pen for, um, well, pro. That's all I really use my thermal pen for. Mm-hmm. I cook with time and I can kind of tell where my stuff's at. Um, man, y- you know, that's the whole thing it's kind of it's going to sound like i'm kind of avoiding the question but there's not one thing that i think that if i show up to a contest it's like oh my god i don't have this i can't live without i um really think you know less than 100 bucks man you're kind of putting yourself in a hole i would say right now for 169 dollars Go buy one of those um, new Cambros, the lightweight Cambros. Get rid of your old Cambros and get one for like $169, $170. Buy one. Um, They weigh like five pounds, whereas a regular Cambro weighs about 50 pounds. And most folks know what a Cambro is. Um, I think this last weekend, some guy was asking what a Cambro was. And a Cambro is not only do we use it in competition, but we use it in our catering business. It's a cooler, it's a vertical cooler that allows us to slide stuff into and hold stuff. Not only can we hold stuff hot after we cook it, we can put stuff in there cold. With me, I put um, coleslaw in ours in a pan of ice sometimes for caterings instead of kicking it in a refrigerator. And it's the same way with your food. It's good to hold your food in cold. Mm-hmm. So food in hot. So $169. Um, sorry, dude. I, I really. No. You could have easily said redneck barbecue lab sauce. I mean, that was. Well, no, that's what I said. I don't want to back people in the corner. Hell, I'll be honest with you, man. I just had this conversation. Let me, let me, I do got one thing I want to say. Buy a good knife. Spend there. You can get a good knife, especially this time of year. Go buy a good fillet type knife to trim with. You know, there's several out there. My preference right now is a boning knife, a good boning knife. Uh, Doll Strong makes an excellent boning knife. Go out there and look. It will kind of curve tip one six inches. Awesome. Yep. I mean, everything. So less than 100 bucks. That's my pro tip of the week. Uh, pro <laughs> tech tip of the week. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Doll Strong. There you have it. I like it. See, you got there. 
mixtures of Gunther. <laughs> you got there, see? Well, let's get into, you know, you've been around this game for a while. So who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? Um, well, you know, I think that, that again is kind of a loaded question because I just don't go to one person. There's all these people. I think what it is with me is, is that there's all these people, and you and I share a lot of them. You know, we talked about them. Um, there's a lot of people out there that have impacted me. Tommy Houston, huge. Not only competition, the way he treats people, but the way he runs his business. Tommy told me a lot of things on what not to do and how to do. Um, Business-wise, uh, Jay Reader, uh, Jack Chavis, Bubba Jack, good friends of mine, they've helped me impact in my life in terms of my business. Me too. Um, in terms of competition barbecue, you know, there's these folks that you always you'll always look up to. And, you know, one of my favorites, Tuffy Stone. And uh, really, Tuffy is gracious winner, gracious loser. And a lot of times, we need to learn as competition cooks and, and society in itself is, is when we lose, be it a contest or an election, we need to learn that we need to lose as gracefully as we win. Um, and I think Tuffy bestowed that upon me, that relationship that he had with his father, George, was unbelievable to me. I just love that. That's one of the ones where, you know, with me and my sister, uh, I kind of see it like that. It's like this, this symbiotic relationship. And I just, you know, I just absolutely love that. He's, he, Tuffy is the epitome of someone to look up to in barbecue, not because, not because he's, you know, Darren Worth the goat. Darren's a great guy too, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Darren, you're a bad cook. Fucking awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> Love you. Um, but Tuffy is not the fact that he wins, but how he loses. You know, I mean, he's always shake your hand. He's always there. I watched him help people and need stuff like that. And I think Tuffy uh, has affected my life a lot um, in terms of that. Um, a lot of people out there who have uh, like helped me along the way that I, I probably you, you've helped me. I mean, I think we, we, we've helped each other oh, yeah. a lot of ways, just bouncing stuff off of one another. And, you know, let me get this off my chest thing. That's, that's, I think that's the big thing sometimes, just getting stuff off your chest. Um, but, you know, I mean, and, and I'm always looking the next person that kind of helps me. And I don't mean helps me in terms of like makes me win or something, but helps me in terms of being a better person. That's, I think that's my thing. Just tries to try to be a better person, be a better cook, be a better person. I think a lot of barbecue people, I think you're the first one to say that. I think it's inherent in a lot of what we do and how the, everyone refers to the barbecue family. And uh, there's just a lot of great lessons to learn from a lot of great people around the country. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all help each other out in one way or the other. It seems like you know, some more than others. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, there's a bunch of leech, like I kind of fronted to before, there's a bunch of leeches out there and, um, 
And there's a lot of people out there that kind of put on a front and are completely different. And they truly are. And I think, like I said, one of the things is, is I am, I am what you get. There's nothing. ain't hiding shit from no one. You know, I am what I am. I'm not going to apologize unless I actually do. And I have before with you, I have said something I've transgressed against you. But I think a lot of times, you know, with, with the family deal is we pitch in and help when needed, you know, and um, that encouragement that, you know, kind of way to go or, you know, that, hey, man, I'm having, I'm kind of having a problem with this. Let me bang some stuff against your head on this. You know, that's, I think that's, that's the thing that's uh, kind of valuable. Um, yeah. What do you think's missing from competition barbecue these days? Um, the backyard guys. Seriously. One thing KCBS, Kansas City Barbecue Society, is getting right right now is they kind of focused on it. And I believe a lot of that had to do with what happened out of the Mid-Atlantic Barbecue Association and like what you did and starting this backyard kind of stuff up. Luke, you know, you're on the board and I know the back, you know, we, we had talked about tiered systems and backyard teams six years ago, like when you made me be on the board. And, and I think KCBS has just woken up to this and got their heads out of judges' asses and said, hey, you know what? We kind of need these cooks and stuff. And they realized that, like, I hope they realize that the future of barbecue is not in um, Slovakia, you know? God bless it. It's like Christianity. Spread it over the world. I get it. But you better have your base in Israel. Because if you let Israel go, you ain't got Christianity anymore. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Like, but I think I think the future is these backyards. You know, man? Seriously, man. No. I love backyard cooks. Great example this year. You know? Kenzie Q. You know? Kenzie Q. Lou true i just absolutely love love them to death you know why a 13 year old girl went to a backyard contest and made a bunch of grown men cry and bitch whine and complain to the kcbs board and i'm like yeah get her girl get him i love (laughs) let me tell you something it's far it's one of the things that sparks me it's just you know because you know my my two girls cook you know i've my my girls are right now chomping this this, this SCA. They don't want to cook KCBS. They want to cook steaks. <clears throat> they want to get in this contest cook. And I think that backyard thing is really important. I think that's the thing is is when I first started out, there was a lot of contests that you and I remember. They're like one hundred fifty dollar, two hundred dollar entries. Now they they didn't pay, but they were affordable. You could get in. A lot of times, the bigger teams would go past those contests because there was only 25 people and they go to a contest where there was 70 people, you know, and a lot of the backyard teams, the younger teams and stuff like that, they kind of flourished in there. You know? And it, it, it's tough to compete. I mean, this goes back to that thing where I'm talking about, you have to realize that if you get a competition barbecue, you're going to be a lot less successful than you think is because when you go up against the team that has competing 25 to 50 times in a year, you're going to lose because it's not that they might be better, better equipment. It's because they're not making mistakes, you know? And in the backyard, that's one of the things. Everybody makes mistakes. It's who made the less mistakes wins. You know, that's how it used to be in barbecue. Mm -hmm. Um, And it still is today. But, I mean, I think the future's in the backyard. 
hard, you know. Get rid of these damn burger competitions. Throw that crap out. You know, I mean, you, you don't really, don't focus on that. Focus on four cheap meats, you know. Let these barbecue guys and ladies and kids, especially in the backyard, kind of get into that stuff. You know, uh, get, get flourish flourish from, from there, you know. Um, it's great to see, like I said, this is the first year um, that KCBS recognized the Backyard Teams of the Year. Um, this is maybe one of the most embarrassing things in this world to check. I still have a cash from KCBS. We came in Team of the Year in six to ten contests. Um, but let me tell you something. That's that's a huge accomplishment to me because, I mean, Absolutely. Best and, 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 and did that well. I'm like, damn, maybe if, uh, you know, I've been out – Springfield or someplace like maybe we'd have done better if I could smooth. <laughs> so that's what I tell the backyard folks. I wish there was more contest for those folks. Getting back to the backyard things. I think the future of barbecue is is that if we don't build um our teams up and build that base back up that we're gonna lose it. And I think the the, the base is those backyard teams. They're the ones that are hungry and eager and ready to do it, but they are not ready to step into the ring with the I mean, let's just call it with Brad, I'm gonna freaking butcher your name. The Linagers, the Shears, the you know, the Worst, the 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 Pierces, the Jesus help me here. Um, <laughs> who finished in the top five this year? I'm just throwing them. <laughs> Throw them balls. I mean, yeah. they're not they're not ready to step in the ring with these folks. I mean, and, and like I said, I think in order to flourish, we need to grow from within. Um, no, I agree. I agree. I think that's a that's a great segue into our rapid fire segment. Uh, I don't want to keep you any longer, and uh, we're definitely going to have to do a part two because I've only asked you about twenty five percent of the questions I wanted to ask you. Yeah, uh, we got to do this live. I know. Next time we're together, we're going to tape the second part of this with a bottle of Jack. <laughs> well, I think we do. I think we need to sit down, and I want to invite Jay Reed. As a matter of fact. WWE promo here. Jay Reader, I'm calling you out right now. Me, you, and Luki in the ring. Mono, a mono, a mono. I don't really know what you call that. Many monos. Trace <laughs> monos. <laughs> I'll come to your, we'll come to your place, Reader. That would be amazing. That was my WWE promo. I'll get Reader out. No, it would be. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I think that's one of the things. Roundtable might be good. Yeah, I think we're going to do a few of them. We've, uh, started fleshing those out and doing you know i don't want to copy another program that did it by each meet uh we'll see uh there's some different topics we can get into um but when we hit these rapid fire ones i'm pretty excited about it yeah i was about to say dude copy emulate dude, i can't touch this <laughs> so jerry stevenson what do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Judge forums. <laughs> well, no, I'm seriously judge forums. It's just like, you know, you have the judge in there that, that, that knows their stuff. You have the judge that doesn't know anything. Then you have the judges that know everything and it flows week to week. I mean, you know, as well as I do, I look out the backside of my trailer nine times out of 10, I go, we're going to have a good day or have a bad day, sis. And she just looks out the trailer and it looks like Noah's Ark coming in there and she can tell the same thing. Yep. 
You see those faces? <laughs> the walking seven coming. Well, let me tell you something, too. One of the things, and you do the same shit. I, I know a lot of people do. You see those judges, and the first thing I do, I, I go to my bag of tricks. Because contests are, contests not, uh, most contests are won in the last 10 minutes of the contest, and then in the days before the contest where you're prepping, you're getting ready. You know, that's just misnomer. The cook is when you win it, and that's at the end. And that's where I can bring out my bag of tricks and do what I can do. You know, and you, you know what I mean. Absolutely. So do you have a favorite pre, during, or post-competition meal? Um, yeah, I love Chinese food and salad afterwards. That's one of the things people, I, I don't eat a lot of meat. I mean, I truly eat a lot of vegetables and a lot of Asian food. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's probably my favorite thing is a salad and some ice cream after a contest. Most people that know me, they'll look, if they ever saw me in my trailer about the time I get to court, throwing a piece in my mouth, taking about two or three bites and spitting it out, same thing with my brisket. And they're like, oh, this brisket sucks. And then it's like 180. I'm like, no, it didn't suck. I just can't eat it I'm to the point. I'm taking two or three bites. I'm looking for two or three things and I'm thinking about what I need to change or what I need to leave behind. That's it. Yeah. What's your favorite present that you like to give to people? <laughs> oh god bottle of redneck barbecue lab competition sauce spelled spe spelled incorrectly yes yeah, s-a-w-s-c trademark actually it's copyrighted it is copyrighted <laughs> that's one of the things i laugh about is is that a lot of people you know i do the backyard welcome intro class whenever i like get enough people together want to do it not for you, like, folks, let me let you in on something. Luke's tried to take my class, like, two or three times. I won't let him take it. It's not, like, for the Luke's of the world. It's for the teams that are kind of struggling. I try to just kind of get them on the right path. And I show them what they do. And it's, it's one of the most frustrating and rewarding things in the world is when they start calling out stuff, especially in chicken. And these people are beating my ass with my recipe, my, my sauce, and, my <laughs> and I'm like, this sucks. My business partner's like, you do not try to sell our stuff. I'm like, hell no. I like to win. I don't like to sell it. I use some other stuff. So, so this is this question, I thought about not asking it to you because I, I believe that you literally have one. But if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to millions or billions, what would it say or why? You, you look, it was not me just taking a drink. Your your Zoom just kind of said something. All I heard, if you had a big vagina dildo, what would you do? It was like, rah, 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 and then it sounded like the teacher from Peanuts. I swear it said vagina dildo. I know you not ask vagina dildo. Gigantic billboard. A gigantic billboard. <laughs> See? You thought I was kidding when I said a big gigantic billboard. Like, for what? 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 A message that's getting it out to millions or billions. It could be inspirational. It could be anything. Oh, man. Be patient. Chill the fuck out. We get one ride in life, man. Spread the love, not the hate. Period. End of story. That's love it. it. That's a I great one. Phone, you know, in our restaurant. That's the one great thing is I get to mesmerize people with food and they listen to me because of the food. And that's one of the messages that I always say. It's just so much easier to love than it is to hate. You spend so much less energy loving people than you do hating people. And 
you know, there's a few people out there I wouldn't piss on if they're on fire, but I can count them on my hand. There's so many more that I love. And the ones that are on my hand, you know, that I'm like, wouldn't piss on if they're on fire. Sometimes I think about like, you know what, man, you need to love them. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, screw those guys, man. Let them burn. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for being on here. Last question. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? An unusual habit or absurd thing that I love. You know, midget wrestling? It's a pretty good one. This is uh, actually... We we joke about that. This is where I learned about Tijuana Mamas from Donnie Teal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. A legend with the Tijuana Mamas. Yeah. Um, I saw Mr. Teal a, a little while ago. Um, nah, man. I, I, don't, I, I don't think I really have any absurd habits. I mean, somebody may look at it like, you know, some kind of weird I do or something. But I think I'm kind of normally abnormal sometimes. But um Trying to what, pinpoint one. You spit it out, man. You got one. What? Do you, what? Do you, just, you gave me like loaded question. What? Do, what do you got on me? What, what, I don't what, have anything really on you. What do you think is like one of the most absurd things that I do? Seriously. I know that you have a lot of weird stuff of ducks in your house, and that bothers me. Yeah, I'm the dude that likes to go shoot ducks, gut deer, and then turn around and bake a souffle from memory. You know, at the same time recite stuff from you know Hamlet. I am kind of a weird dude. (laughs) I'm the dude that you want in the bar when you bet some dude playing, you know, the video trivia, like BW3s and Buffalo (laughs) Wild Wings. I'm that idiot savant that would sit there and run the table and then kiss his girlfriend on the way out. Well, we're going to leave it at that. (laughs) Well, man, thank you for being here. Do you want to tell people where they can find you or highlight any sponsors you have? Oh, Lord, that's really cool, man. I mean, I want to say thanks to my sponsors. Everybody sees that all the time, but you know and I know how I am with my sponsors. I, I, I There's a lot of people out there that, like, do this, do that, but there's a few people out there that, man, over the years have been great to me, and they are part of my success. Um, Bob Trudak, and I murdered, I murdered your name, too. Barbecue Guru, man, thank you guys for supporting us. Um, your, your controllers and stuff, I use them all over the place. Um, in my restaurant, when we've had smokers break, it's Barbecue Guru to the restaurant, our commercial stuff. Royal Oak Barbecue, Mike Stone used to be there, Mike's not. Um, Royal Oak Barbecue, Royal Oak Charcoal, uh, we use it in the restaurant. I mean, I, I've got right back here, there's like 12 pallets of Royal Oak Charcoal just sitting on the floor. You know, thank you to Royal Oak Charcoal for, for that sponsorship. Um, Redneck Barbecue Lab, the sauces and the rubs, the same stuff we use in competition. Uh, we, we, we did bottle up. Um, we are using them at the restaurant, and I knew it was inevitable. It sucks, but to, like, you know, give your kids up to the world and say, here, here they are, use them. But I truly love it. These these folks, the, the amateurs, not the pros. The pros, the pros never – Never send me any or pictures or anything. They just they just beat my ass. But the amateurs, man, they send these pictures and stuff they created. <laughs> that is so cool to me to watch somebody like go to our YouTube channel and you, you know what I mean. 
Like take a your cantaloupe pie is like trending right now. Your mom's cantaloupe pie <laughs> that was. I, I ate it and I was like, remember when I ate it and I was like, dude, this is one of those things people are gonna hate or love, and I loved it. It was just so fucking cool. No words about it. But that's the cool thing is, is with me, is I get to see people out there in their backyards doing this and you know, they're swinging the fence, man, making some stuff, but I'm just like, wow, that's so cool. I'm a part of that. I like that. Right. Well, if if anybody is ever down in in North Carolina on the I ninety five corridor, it is worth your time to go to the Redneck Barbecue Lab. I've eaten there many times now, and I think about the sausage pretty much every day. Well, think about the pastrami beef rib you and I share. It's like this gay gay lover moment that I'm gonna have with you. The pastrami beef rib that you and I shared at Deep River Brewing while drinking. Homemade, the best, the best homemade craft beer in Johnson County is in Deep River. Don't go anywhere else. Everything else is trash. Just go there. You and I sat there and and shared sweet potato beer and freaking had that pastrami rib. And we look around. Me and you remember it was like three pounds I brought. It was some godly amount. And we look around. There's like all these people at the table just salivating. You remember that? That was like a nice moment. And you like you want some? And they descended on us like just came in. I, I really didn't want to offer it to anybody. It was so good. I've never had anything like it. Love the way you captured it. <laughs> Thank you again for being here and for doing this. And we'll definitely do a round two. Yeah, like I said, man, I think we need to do it. And I'm calling you out, Jay Reader, specifically you, Jay Reader. Get off the couch. Along, step into the ring. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jerry. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it with your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. We'll have another episode for you next week featuring the incomparable Sterling Ball from Big Papa Smokers. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021. Old Virginia, Old Virginia.